episode 45 of the Teddy Roosevelt Show is coming at you right now, Saturday, February 11th, episode number 45. TeddyRoosevelt.substack.com is the website you can stream this podcast on Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, and Apple Podcasts. Earlier this week, I think Monday, I said I was going to have Teddy's favorite people in the world week, and we had Charlotte Wilson in Phoenix on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed a little deviation from the norm. We've got a, I've got a 20 page Google doc, the most show prep maybe in Teddy history for today's show, but I got to give a shout out Blue Canaries. She is now on Substack. I highly recommend you go on there and subscribe bluecanaries.substack.com. As I um, posted earlier and mentioned, she got a double retweet from a man with 1.2 million followers, Kim.com, and uh, her Substack DMs on Twitter, everything is blowing up. So I'm actually talking with Blue about doing a Twitter spaces. I have really mixed emotions about how I'm going to jump back on Twitter. Um, Another big shout out, we're going to have Alex Stringer, good friend of mine here in Austin on the show. Alex has been acting as a provocateur. As I mentioned before, he's met with Alex Stein. Alex Stein just gave him a shout-out on the news. And Alex went down to uh, the Austin City Council meeting on, I believe it was Thursday, Tuesday or Thursday, dressed as a clown and said... Hey, my mother always said that I should dress for the job that I want to get, and I am here to apply for the CEO of Austin Energy. Um, In honor of Alex, I just saw it went locally viral, then nationally viral, and last time I checked, he was at right around a million views on the Twitter account at clownworld underscore. So it's almost the exact opposite of my Twitter, where it's at underscore Teddy Roosevelt. It's at clownworld underscore. So in honor of Alex going viral, I am going to put the first splice. I will have the audio of Alex's two-minute viral clip. Good morning, mayor and council. I'm speaking in support of item 39 and 81 because there needs to be accountability for what happened. You and I both know this. My mother told me to dress for the job that you want to have And that is why I'm here today, because I would like to be the CEO of Austin Energy. We need leaders who are aligned with our priorities. And right now, our number one priority is fighting climate change. We need to get to net zero by by 2030. And honestly, if we are ever going to achieve these goals, you shouldn't even be using power at all. Okay? Listen, just last month, I destroyed the gas stove that I owned in a fire that I started because I am firmly committed to saving the planet, just like you. And I will show that same commitment as the CEO of Austin Energy. I have pronouns in my Twitter bio. I also have Ukrainian flags in my Twitter bio. And due to my extensive qualifications and the fact that my priorities align so much with the city of Austin, as well as what I thought were past um, administrations in Austin Energy, I would like a salary between $350,000 to $500,000 a year so that I could support my lifestyle, fund my cocaine habit, and care for my wife who has stage five testicular cancer. I also took a 23andMe test and found out that I am 3% black, so not hiring me would be a literal act of violence. Anyway, if I could get a recommendation to be the CEO of Austin Energy, I would really appreciate it. Obviously, I'm the most qualified person for the job here in this room. Um, Thank you very much, Mayor and Council. So we've got Blue, Alex, I was going to have Brad Swale on, and actually had some top secret negotiations about possibly partnering with Brad again, Austin's second most beloved political talk show tandem behind uh, Todd Jeffries and Don Pryor of KLBJ, I would say. So get your popcorn ready, folks. I've got to just make it worthwhile for a man with three kids who's married and just got a he's got a little bit less flexibility than teddy does right now so 
We're going to have Brad on. Also have to give a shout out to the, probably the most brilliant, without this person, there would be no Teddy Roosevelt show. I'm talking about the biggest Philadelphia Eagles fan I know, my boy Billy D back in Philly. And quality base here. The Eagle has landed. When Teddy was in L.A., registered Democrat voting for Obama, this man uh, gently... It was, it was a master class in slowly, methodically red-pilling someone and showing them the light. So episode 45, the Bob Gibson episode, is dedicated to Billy D in Philly. Welcome home, Columbia. Beautiful, beautiful. Been known him for 40 years, 30 years, not 40, several decades, longer than Charlotte. So uh, Billy D, go birds. I hope the Eagles absolutely stomp the Chiefs. Tomorrow, so we've got a ton of stuff to go into as um, going on this um, unidentified. Folks, we just have the most incompetent liars. It's it's Pravda, Pravada, Russia. Your default um, knee jerk reaction for everything they say, um, emphasis on jerk, is these people are lying. So the one thing I want to say. You know, the biggest story in, in, in the world right now should be the Seymour Hirsch Substack article. This guy is not some random Teddy Roosevelt that no one's ever heard of. This gentleman won the Pulitzer Prize um, in the early 1970s. He's gotten, he, I think he's like 78 years old. Seymour Hirsch wrote for the New York Times. He's got a lot of connections. He broke that um, Abu Ghraib story, broke some Vietnam stuff, and he just laid out that it was the United States that bombed the Nord Stream pipeline, and we blamed it on Russia. Folks, that's an act of war, and I'm going get, to get into that, but um, with the Super Bowl coming up in about 30 hours, I just want to throw out there... We're really sticking our finger in Russia's eye. I mean, that that is an act of war. That's an act of sabotage. That is their main bread and butter to generate money. So it started off with, hey, we're going to give Ukraine and Zelensky some money. Then we're going to give them some weapons, then some tanks, then some jets. And now we're actually going over there to blow up their pipeline. And all I've got to say, I, I remember talking with friends. We're just sort of, you know... Uh, just random shooting the shit conversation. Um, we were like, if you're ever going to attack the United States, you know, if you're going to attack what is considered the most powerful nation on earth, out of all the days of the year and all the times of the year, if you wanted to catch the United States at its most vulnerable, you would do a shock and awe strike tomorrow night around 9.15 p.m., you know, Two-minute warning ends in the Super Bowl. You would do it, you know, during or after the Super Bowl when everyone's drunk. You know, 53 million people watch the AFC Championship, Kansas City and Buffalo. They're saying 100 million people. There's 340 million Americans. So when are you going to get the men of America more intoxicated, bloated on wings, um, I saw a hilarious thing in the AP, by the way. They're talking about boneless wings. And people don't realize that boneless wings are just slices of chicken breast. They're like, oh, I thought it was part of the bone. You mean the, these chickens weren't born without bones? The, and, and, and AP, they actually, they go, the, the boneless wings is sort of a metaphor or a you know, an anecdote for the misinformation that's spreading and so many people are gullible to think that these wings um, were from chickens without bones. Like, man, oh man, the AI bots are going to take these NPC, no talent writers right off the face of the earth. Meanwhile, you have Substack. Seriously, I'm like honored, humb- humbled and proud to be to call myself a Substack writer, the just look at the comments of a Substack. The smartest people in America are all reading Substack. They're not reading the New York Times. They're certainly not watching any of the mainstream news networks. Fox News, it's just Tucker, man. A little Jesse Waters, 
Maybe a little Ingram. Hannity, I never liked the guy. Never liked the guy. I'm not a hardcore Republican. He just reminds me of a super douche, judgmental, born on third base, um, you know, never really had any adversity in his life. And now he just judges everybody who wasn't as well off as he was. So it's just Tucker who has like something in his contract that he can talk about anything. And that's about it. So I'm telling you, Substack is the place to be. And I really want to congratulate Blue on getting it done. If you want to make a difference, folks, it ain't going to be the media. It's up to us. We are in the middle of a hot domestic and international information war. Say what you will about Alex Jones, but calling InfoWars InfoWars, dude, he was light years ahead of everybody because that is exactly what we're in. So segue into disinformation, misinformation with this Chinese balloon. And now we have another balloon. Um, so what, John Kirby, National Security Council guy, oh, it came into our territorial waters. Those waters right now are frozen, but they're inside territorial airspace and over our waters. Fighter aircraft assigned to the U.S. Northern Command took the object down within the last hour, 10 miles off the coast. So what is it? They don't know. Hey, we flew up there yesterday. We don't know what it is. Was it manned? Was it a private commercial craft? Was it China? Was it us? That, it, it, dude, these guys are so incompetent and lying and surrounded themselves with diversity, equity, inclusion candidates and yes men and just people who don't know their ass from a hole in the ground that they just, I don't know, ran it through and said, yeah, let's just go out and say... We shot something down and we have no idea what it is. Do these fucking idiots realize that they're just basically holding a press conference to say they're a bunch of clueless morons? First thing, you don't hold the press conference until you know what the hell you shot down. Don't even tell anybody. Don't even tell anybody. It could have been. The way these guys are are acting, they probably shot down. It was probably a military something. They probably it was a it was a own goal. They probably shot down their own thing. Seriously, do you even think there was something there, or it was like, oh, there's a balloon flying over America, and Biden's just letting it fly over uh, for four days. Oh, but there was three balloons when Trump was president. Bullshit. I don't believe it. This thing, oh, Biden's a tough leader. As soon as he found out that it was in airspace, he ordered it down. Successful. Why would I think that happens? Why would I think that was real? I haven't seen any footage. I've been working. I haven't really gone up to speed. I haven't seen any footage of this unmanned aircraft. They didn't say what size. I think they said it was the size of a small car. Um, These idiots, again, um, I heard somebody, Brian Kilmeade, maybe, they're like, hey, they go, oh, it will be better for from an intel perspective to blow up the Chinese spy balloon, the first one, um, off the coast of South Carolina. It will be much better. Okay, it might be better from having debris hit people in the head on the ground, but from an intel perspective, no, you guys are still out there searching for it. So now with this one, if, it, if you knew about it for 24 hours and you flew up an F-22 and they sniffed it out and they couldn't figure out what the hell it was, I don't even know why they went up once. Why don't you just stay up there and and, and see what the hell it is or go up a couple times? Um, You know, A, did it even happen? I I, I question if it even happened. They probably just wanted to show, hey, don't don't be flying these balloons around here. We're going to we're going to shoot them down or B, they wanted to project like toughness. So it's just your default reaction to these jabronis, traitorous, seditious. Um, it is, is, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. That is a sad state of affairs. I am a very patriotic pro-American person. Teddy Roosevelt said back in the day, you know, you know, being patriotic means you're for the country. It doesn't mean you're for the president. And this guy, the, the Biden crime family, the Biden cartel has just continuously accelerated making our lives worse. You know, he blamed Russia for stealing the election, blamed Russia for blowing up their own pipeline, blamed China on the balloons. Uh, 
And he's just pushing Russia and China closer together. You know, like I said, if you had to pick any day or time of the 365 days in the calendar year, just make sure you're prepped before the game tomorrow. Just know where you're going to go. I mean, here in Austin, we are totally scarred. Everyone has PTSD. Two of the last three years, we have had the power out, horrible communication from the city, pathetic response. And you just drive around Austin right now, there is just dead trees and debris everywhere. Um, You know, if you don't have a plan and supplies in Austin by now, I mean, dude, no one's coming. The, the, the cavalry is not coming to save you if this happens again, and the next time it could be worse. So this object that was flying, the new one, 40,000 feet, they're saying it posed a reasonable threat. What, to the safety of civilian flight? I don't know a lot of passenger v, you know, aircraft that are flying around that part of Alaska. Um, they should have shot it down on the ground. They could have figured out what the hell it is. Instead, Kirby's like, we don't know who owns the object. I wouldn't call it a balloon. Um, we're calling this an object. Here's what he said. We're calling this an object because that's the best description we have right now. We don't know who owns it, whether it's state-owned or corporate-owned or privately owned. We just don't know. But out of an abundance of caution at the recommendation, recommendation of the Pentagon... Biden ordered the military to down the object, and they did, and it came inside our territorial waters, and those waters right now are frozen. Oh, well, that sounds like it'll be super easy to get. You know, how would you like diving? You know, you got your cold suit. You got shards of ice, like, coming towards your face. I mean, and then give me a break. Oh, Trudeau had to chime in. Oh, I was briefed on this matter and supported the decision to take action. Trudeau. I mean... You're just sitting here like, oh, we'll always work together like, oh, Canada's tough military. What Canada's military? I mean, Canada is the weakest military. Canada's good at hockey and curling. They're awful at dancing, and they don't exactly have the most robust military. So they're trying to do the recovery effort. So now they've shot down two things. And they're searching in the ocean, 50 feet of salt water off South Carolina. And in the 10 miles off the coast of Alaska in the frozen waters. So these asshole idiots could not even figure out that maybe they should down it somewhere where it would be easy to retrieve the debris. Um, again, uh, I, I looked at Global Times. You know, the Chinese propaganda piece is basically the government. And they're saying... Um, it's utterly absurd. That was their word. Utterly absurd. So um, let's go into the Seymour Hirsch article. Again, 1969 exposed the Miley massacre and the cover-up, won the Pulitzer Prize, and then in 1974, that story uh, covered Watergate for the New York Times. You know, this guy, who knows? Did they want the information to get out there? I, I almost think, like, Seymour Hirsch, he's sort of a lefty, and this makes Biden look bad, but... Who knows? He wrote a thing on Substack, you know, his little intro, Seymour Hirsch, that just said, dude, the media sucks. Um, the, you know, the New York Times, dwindling readership, dwindling trust. They're pursuing, you know, um, opinion and, and, and fear-based stuff instead of actual investigative reporting. So he jumped on Substack. So I'm hoping he just turned on a new leaf and saw the light, man. I mean, if you really have a pure heart, and you're all about the truth and you're a real journalist, you're doing a Matt Taibbi. You're flipping the script on these clowns and telling them what's up, as we saw in the Twitter files. So Seymour Hirsch, dude, this should be the number one story and no one's covering it because this could be the justification that Putin and Russia, especially Putin, uses to start World War III. And at Germany, if you're Germany, if you're an average German citizen or a German business owner, you're like, what the hell? I thought they were our, our allies. If you look at the German average electric bill, it's up three, four, five hundred percent, not dollars percent. You have giant international conglomerates like BASF who depend on that cheap natural gas in order to run their 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 economy. So that you had some people at the CIA and the State Department saying, don't do this. It's stupid and will be a political nightmare if it comes out. That's a direct verbatim quote from Seymour Hersh's Substack. 
other people said, you know, like Biden was saying something like, hey, we'll never let the Nord Stream 2 get finished. You know, the Nord Stream 1 already existed. Some people told Seymour Hersh, they go, that's like putting an atomic bomb on the ground in Tokyo and telling the Japanese we're going to detonate it. The plan was for the options to be executed post-invasion and not advertised publicly. Biden simply didn't get it or ignored it. Executed post-invasion? Invasion by who? Us? What, we're supposed to go in and invade Russia and then they're going to blow it up as like a shock and awe? That That's my follow-up question. Um, so... Senior officials at the CIA determined blowing up the pipeline could, quote, no longer be considered a covert option because the president just announced that he that we knew how to do it. So then last June, Navy divers um, planted the explosives that they were able to remotely trigger. So Biden was like, hey, you can go out there, but I don't want to have them blown up. I want to wait, you know, several months down the road, a couple months down the road. And then we'll blow them up. Gee, Joe, you're like the Sun Tzu of uh, 2023. What a what a what a great art of war thing. They'll never suspect us. Never. Who? What? You know? Why would we blow up their pipeline? So three months later, we destroy three of the four pipelines. This was Biden, Jake Sullivan, Tony Blinken, Victoria Newlands. And they had all been saying stuff, hostility about the pipelines, which ran for 750 miles under the Baltic Sea from two different places in northeastern Russia, near the Estonian border, passing a Danish island and ending up in northern Germany. So you have Norway. Norway has a lot of their own natural gas. So if the Nord Stream pipeline blew up, that would allow Norway to sell vastly more of its natural gas to Europe. Guess who else has a ton of natural gas? The United States. Remember we drained also the Security Reserve Petroleum um, Reservoir, and we sent all that oil overseas. We didn't free it up so the price of gas would go down for the average American. We sent a lot of that oil overseas. So there was a financial interest in this as well for Norway and America. Keep in mind, these jabronis say that the climate is the number one thing. Well, within a few minutes after blowing up those pipelines, pools of methane gas that remained in the shuttered pipeline could be seen spreading on the water surface, and it was considered the biggest environmental disaster of this year. So we conducted a covert secret operation that many people, the CIA and the State Department, were like, this is stupid. This is like putting a freaking nuclear bomb in Tokyo and saying, do what we say or we're going to blow it up in three months. That's, that, that's how bad it was. So we told Russia, we blamed it on Russia. Oh, you guys blew up your own pipeline. Imagine if Russia blew up one of our naval bases and like, oh, the United States just blew up their own base. No, we didn't. You had to have done it. Why would we sabotage our own source of income? No, 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 no. You did it. And they have the media. And if there's no dissenting opinions allowed, which that's the censorship state that we live in right now, that's just the prevailing narrative. And a couple years down the road, now we have AI where lazy jabronis are not going to go and dig and do their own research. They're just going to see chatbot GPT-8 says, oh, well, Russia blew up their own pipeline, and then the United States had to retaliate by starting World War III during the Super Bowl. And Well, not, not during the Super Bowl. We're not attacking anyone. I'm just saying, if they're going to attack us, it's going to be tomorrow night at 9. That's, that's what you would do if you've read The Art of War. That's what they're going to do. So a second pair of pipelines. So we've got the Nord Stream 1 had been providing Germany and Western Europe with cheap Russian natural gas for over a decade. The second pipeline, Nord Stream 2, was built, but it wasn't turned on. So they looked at it as 
hey, Putin's trying to weaponize, that's what he said, Seymour's weaponize natural gas for the political and territorial aspirations. White House comes out and says the Seymour Hirsch article is totally false. Hey, it's false and complete fiction. CIA guy, a woman named Tammy Thorpe wrote, this claim is completely and utterly false. But of course, they had no proof um, or evidence to retort, you know, to, to dispute that. I mean, who's going to find out now? So that was the whole reason why the Germany, Germ, German economy was booming. They had an abundance of cheap natural gas from Russia. And now that got tied off. So you have different branches of the service saying, hey, we should do it one way. Other people are saying we're doing, we should do it the other way. Navy wanted to do submarine assault. Air Force wanted to drop bombs with delayed fuses that could be set off remotely. The CIA said whatever it was, it had to be covert. Here's the key quote, um, the source that Seymour Hirsch uh, quoted. He goes, quote, this is not kitty stuff. If the attack were traceable to the United States, it's an act of war. I mean, dude, if Russia attacks us and they use that as their the catalyst or their justification, could you really blame them? I mean, we sabotaged it and pointed the finger and blamed it on them. And if you're the Germans or anyone who is relying on this gas... You know, you're, you're, you're just throwing your hands up in the air like, I thought we were friends, buddy. I thought we were friends. So you had Biden saying February 7th, less than three weeks before the invasion of Ukraine, Biden said, hey, if Russia invades, there will no longer be a Nord Stream 2. We will bring an end to it. So <laughs> you, you look at the Nord Stream AG. Who's the holding company behind Nord Stream AG? It was incorporated in Switzerland in 2005 with Gazprom, which is a publicly traded Russian company um, <clears throat> that produces enorm enormous profits for these Russian oligarchs. Well, Gazprom owns 51% of Nord Stream AG. The other 49% is owned by four European energy firms, one in France, one in the Netherlands, and two in Germany. And uh, the four Euro uh, Euro uh, European energy firms, they are the ones who control, you know, by, by owning 49% of it, they control the da downstream sales of the inexpensive natural gas to the local distributors in Germany and throughout Western Europe. So... It's not just Russia who owns the Nord Stream um, AG, the four pipelines. It's 51% Russia, Gazprom, and 49% three countries who I thought were our friends, Germany, France, and the Netherlands. So Gazprom's um, profits are shared with the Putin and the Russian government, and those revenues are estimated to be as much as 45% of Russia's annual budget. So imagine taking out a pipeline that whatever it delivers, gold, diamonds, oil, natural gas, that takes 45% of your nation's revenue out. And then you have Germany, France, and uh, the Netherlands their whole, you, you know, economy, industries, you name it, are based on having this affordable natural gas. And now that it's not cheap and not available, you've got a lot of German international conglomerates pulling up stakes and saying, we're out of here. So Nord Stream 2 was finished September 2021. Biden and his totally incompetent idiot cabinet said, Oh my God, if the Nord Stream gets completed, there's going to be double the amount of cheap gas in Germany and Western Europe. Um, it's going to provide more than 50% of Germany's annual consumption. And of course, we can't have all this climate um, uh, change. We can't have all these fossil fuels. So the pipeline gets bombed. The American media treats it like unsolved mystery. And Russia is cited as the culprit. Gee, where does that sound familiar? Hamilton 68, they had 2,700 supposed Russian bots. And even Twitter looked, they said there's only two 
of these 2,700 accounts that you said are Russian bots that are even affiliated with Russia. And one of them, by the way, is Russia Today, RT.com. So we already knew that beforehand. Um, The New York Times, after it happened, said, hey, there's complicating theories about who's behind the attack. As Seymour Hersh noted, not a single major American newspaper dug into the earlier threats made by Biden three weeks before Russia invaded Ukraine, saying, hey, we're going to put an end to this pipeline. So that should be the number one story in the world. If you write the history books, that could be the catalyst. I mean, that could be the assassination of Franz Ferdinand, the blowing up of the pipeline. Not only that, but then blaming it when you did it. So... What else do we got here? The AI hype wave. Even since I posted that ChatGPT article, you are tuned into episode 45, Teddy Roosevelt Show, Saturday afternoon, February 11th, coming at you from Austin, Texas. Um, The ChatGPT article I posted, what, Sunday or Monday? Since then, I mean, Google came out with theirs. (laughs) It was, I'm telling you, this AI... Uh, thing. It, it is George Orwell's absolute worst nightmare. I mean, it is the most rampant propaganda, misinformation and disinformation spreading machine that you could ever imagine. I mean, I remember reading something like 70% of Americans, you know, they only read the headline or they only read the first paragraph of whatever the article is. But meanwhile, Usually you find the juicy, meaty, oh my God, um, at the at the last two paragraphs. It's buried. They bury it at the bottom. So um, Google's parent company, so Google rolls out theirs. And I guarantee this was a diversity, equity, inclusion hire who did this. They posted a, a Twitter post and said, hey, here's our new... Uh, uh, Bard, here's our new AI thing. We've got a question. What new discoveries from the James Webb Space Telescope can I tell my nine-year-old about? And Google's little chatbot Bard. Dude, these engineers are the worst at naming products. Bard, really? So the chatbot comes back with some bullet points. Hey, the telescope took the very first pictures of the exoplanets, which are planets outside of the solar system. So... It turns out the James Webb Telescope didn't discover exoplanets. It was a telescope in 2004 called the European Southern Observatory's Telescope. So check this out. Google, someone at Google, which is supposed to be, you know, some of the smartest people in the world, um, you know, one of the most intelligent companies in the world, they did not even Google. They didn't double check. They go, hey, check out how awesome our... AI bot is post a video of it in action and it came up with the wrong answer. Dude, I guarantee with the DIE stuff, they it's it's human resources and marketing. That's where if they've got to fill the quotas, that's where they're going. And I guarantee it was a DIE person um, who did that. They didn't even bother to Google. They could have used Google, their product, not eating their own dog food. So they're not eating their own dog food, and the AI bot shoots out the wrong answer. Google's stock dropped $100 billion on Wednesday. Not a million, $100 billion. So one employee at Google who didn't, I'm not saying it was all about that, but it certainly, um, it, it says something about the AI, and it says something about the people that they have calling the shots. The other funny thing is Google was giving the presentation um, live in Paris, and it was being streamed around the world, and everyone from investors to engineers to everyone jumping on this AI uh, express is watching, and the woman forgets the phone. (laughs) She forgot the phone. They're going to demonstrate it. She's in front of the thing, and she's going to show it on the phone, and then she's like, oh, I don't have the phone to demo. How do you forget? I mean, that's like in eighth grade. I would be embarrassed if I gave a speech in eighth grade and I forgot, you know, the main prop. Can you imagine Steve Jobs? Hey, I've got the iPhone here. Oh, shoot, I forgot the phone. She forgot the device she was going to use to demonstrate it. So 
hey man, get woke, go broke. You lose a hundred billion dollars in uh, in one day. I guarantee that's what it was. They fell nine, 9%. So Biden had his creepy, how much Adderall was he on? Oh my God, he was on some serious Adderall. So he gave a little speech during the State of the Union that he never had to tell his three kids to turn on the interior lights and keep their hands on the steering wheel. You know, he didn't use, you know, it's it's funny, all these incidents involving the cops, it wasn't the person had their hands on the steering wheel and said, hi, officer, I'm sorry, what was I doing? You know, you, you don't really have to teach anyone. You don't have to have that talk. Like, if a cop pulls you over, you just obey. The last thing you do, seriously, the last thing you do is fight back or run away. And every single one of these cases that the left has made into this huge thing, even Tyree Nichols, the five racist black guys who beat him, Tyree Nichols, no one ever mentions that he was trying to get away. So it's just gaslighting. It's just gaslighting. I mean, his kids have had plenty of run-ins. Hunter Biden had a crack pipe in his in his car. And his dead brother's, like, uh, uh, army pass or something. So that State of the Union was just super-duper creepy. Um, what else do we want to go into? We are... Coming up on the 35-minute mark, episode 45, Teddy Roosevelt Show. I don't know if you, uh, some longtime listeners might remember, I made a video seven months ago. Um, one of my friends back on the East Coast gave me a heads up. Hey, there's this newspaper in southern New Jersey. They were down there, Jersey Shore, the summer. And I picked it up and like 80% of the obituaries were like sudden deaths of people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. It was just They'd never seen anything like it. So I went in there. I'm like, oh, my God, does this seem normal? And I put together a video, a compilation, and I'm going to put that um, on the post for this podcast at teddybroosevelt.substack.com. So just out of curiosity, when I go in to do my COVID updates, I've got some bookmarks in the folder. I just thought they had five sudden deaths. This newspaper, oceandaily.com. Um in Ocean County, New Jersey, five sudden deaths in one week. Uh, South Jersey high school graduate died at 22 in Phoenix, Arizona, 22. Teacher of the year died at a, from a brief illness, age 39. So the, the brief illness, all cause mortality, go to ethical skeptic. Like there is a lot of this stuff that's happening. So that was the only one that wasn't uh, suddenly. Uh, South Jersey native and beloved brother Hunter Lee Harbs died unexpectedly. Um, beloved New Jersey Shore two-year-old Vincent John Ederson died. Kind-hearted, passionate, and dedicated Tom's River father of five and Iraq Army veteran John Sitchikowski died unexpectedly. There's five of them in a row. Five of them in a row. Um... All, all from the the last seven days. So it, it, there's some major stuff going on with COVID. I, I did just post a COVID um, post. I didn't get to do as much as I wanted to. But you, the one thing I wanted to note about the COVID post is these morally depraved bastards at Pfizer. You know, I ain't taking the vaccine. I think they should halt the vaccine. But just to give you an idea how these assholes think, the price was originally like 20 bucks 20 20 bucks and 60 cents they raised it to 130 dollars and usually when you're manufacturing a product the longer you go you have economies of scale um efficiency in the manufacturing process and the delivery network and you should be able to cut costs because you had to invent everything in the beginning and now you're just cranking it away and it should be just a smooth functioning machine so they actually claimed, hey, you know, they're not saying the price went up to make it. They're saying the reason why they raised the price 528% from 20 bucks to 130 bucks is because based on their calculations, oh, well, they saved 4 million deaths. They said the vaccine saved 4 million Americans from dying. That's one out of every 100 Americans. They're saying that... Um, they said that they saved the U.S. economy $1.1 trillion in healthcare costs. Oh, what would we do without our 
you know, just benevolent saviors from Pfizer, you could make a strong argument that they are costing the United States from disability. Have you seen the number of people filing filing for disability? The number of injuries, um, the number of people who who just have tenuitis or lingering effects. There's not a lot of proof that the vaccines have saved people's lives. I haven't seen that. So that's how they're saying, oh, we're raising it 528%. And Moderna's saying this too, to reflect the value that our, that our vaccines have provided. So we're, again, we gave them, the United States taxpayers, a billion dollars in one grant, $1.5 billion in free money in another, and then hundreds of millions of dollars through all kinds of Fauci programs and a bunch of other stuff. So talk about kicking you in the in the nuts. Um, we give them all this money to make it, and they're printing money, minting money all around the world. The most profitable, you know, best-selling and most profitable lucrative drug ever. And now they're going to jack it up 500%. So only 15.8% of Americans have gotten that fifth shot. And... It's amazing. As I noted in the um, last Substack, like Harvard's still requiring it. You have to get the Bible and booster, show proof of it, in order to attend classes on campus. In spring 2023, there's a lot of colleges. I just did a search on ZipRecruiter, vaccine required. It's amazing. From solar sales to customer service to a security guard to nursing. So, you know, Biden said, hey, we're going to end the public health emergency and the national emergency on May 11th. No, he extended those. They were supposed to uh, both um, expire real soon. So the biggest story, you know, there's so many huge stories. I, if, you, if you're not on Substack following people, um, you have no idea what's going on. If the, the Seymour Hersh story, the fact that that's not the number one story just tells you where we're at. You have to do your own research or you have to do it yourself. Or, you know, you either have to read somebody who's doing it or you have to do it yourself. So look what happened. Um, th- this should be the biggest, biggest story. And they're, and they're having hearings right now about Twitter. And as I mentioned before, Twitter has reinstated my account at underscore Teddy Roosevelt. And it's weird um, because I just feel like a jilted ex-boyfriend or whatever that I was dating the psycho chick, Billy D and Philly, who I mentioned before. He remembers a couple of them. Uh, <laughs> um, and you haven't seen him. And then seven months later, like, hey, you want to come over for the Super Bowl? I have my you know lingerie on or whatever, your favorite negligee or something like that. And you're just like, Dude, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, where is your self-esteem? Where is your pride? Where is your sense of, of dignity? And that's why I'm just really hesitant to jump back on, on Twitter um, unless it's to promote something I'm doing. So I think I'm just going to use them like they use me and use Twitter to drive traffic because you look at all the stuff that Twitter did. Hunter Biden laptop scandal. The shadow banning and they denied it on Joe Rogan. I don't know if you remember that one with, and then he brought Tim Pool on. And Tim Pool, um, I, I, I have mixed emotions, th- thoughts about Tim Pool opinions, but he is red pelling some people. And he did grill Jack Dorsey and Vidya. I don't know what her last name is, but they insisted that wasn't going on. Michael Schellenberger and Taibbi have the evidence, they've got the proof. They suspended uh, Trump from Twitter for no reason. They totally got co-opted by the FBI and the deep state to suppress, quote, election disinformation ahead of the election. Um, Twitter was involved in the Pentagon overseas PSYOP campaign, blaming Russia on everything. Uh, The big one for me, silencing of dissent from the official COVID narrative. You, if you are a doctor with a degree... Like Dr. Peter Corey, he got banned for tatting the use of vitamin D. And I saw Dr. Peter Corey just this morning tatted a 16th, what he's calling a gold standard um, scientific study on the benefits of ivermectin, which is how I got banned. I mean, three of the five tweets that I sent, you know, post Joe Rogan getting accused of eating horse paste, post Dana White and Aaron Rodgers. 
Um, you know, they, 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 I, I just simply tweeted out, hey, it, the, the people who invented it won the Nobel Prize. It saved like a billion people in Africa from river blindness. It does a lot of positive things. That's not good enough for Twitter. But meanwhile, you have this guy, Ewell Roth, up there. His hands were shaking. He knew he was, his, he was caught in the cookie jar. He's promoting gay porn and tweeting about it. Oh, my office is great, is is off, you know, awesome with gay porn. Dude, you you just didn't have porn on your website at all. And then for him to 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 push this like a deviant while they're banning me, arguably the most impactful Austin journalist of the decade, just based on the fact that three different times I saved a grand total of $25 million from Austin taxpayers. I'm pretty sure that makes me the most impactful, certainly by a dollar amount, of the decade. So Hunter Biden's laptop, October 14th, 2020, the New York Post published the expose. Everyone knows the details of that. And the craziest part about it is right before the election in October, what, three weeks before, It detailed the Biden family corruption, the close involvement of Joe Biden in his son Hunter's foreign business ventures during Biden's VP um, and afterwards. Hunter wasn't doing anything except selling access to his dad and making tens of millions of dollars from foreign companies in Ukraine and China. So you have to wonder with Ukraine, how much of it is blackmail? Or controlled opposition type of thing where Zelensky's like, write another check for whatever dollar amount I text you after this. And if it's not above $40 billion this time, well, I'm going to leak all the information about your son and Burisma. And the craziest thing, I mean, now that the AI chatbots are rewriting history, this this might be the only uh, record of it if this uh, podcast gets put in a time capsule. But the craziest make your head spin situation is Trump called Zelensky to see if there was any truth to the corruption with Biden. And just by making that call, they impeached Trump. (laughs) They literally impeached him. That was a pretty big deal before they made a mockery of the, the whole thing. So, I mean, the emails on the laptop say Hunter introduced the uh, uh, Biden to a top executive at Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company that was paying Hunter fifty thousand a month to sit on the board, and he had absolutely no experience in the oil, gas, marketing, energy, logistics, engineering. There was no reason to pay him six hundred thousand dollars a year, fifty thousand dollars a month. Unless you wanted to talk to the big guy, the ten percent for the big guy. So then they, you know, they 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 met. Biden pressured the Ukrainian government to fire a prosecutor investigating Burisma. So again, Ukraine is notorious for corruption. The media doesn't report that 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 Zelensky shut down. Let's just say the equivalent of pro-Zelensky propaganda in Ukraine was Fox News. So he ordered CNN, MSNBC. And every other network shut down for spreading disinformation. He also had his opponents arrested, just straight up arrested. So it's interesting that Biden pressured the government to fire the prosecutor under Zelensky. You know, was the prosecutor just like a legitimate guy um, investigating um, a crime and they wanted to hide it because of all the blackmail and scandal and embezzlement and everything going on dude where there's smoke there's fire so all these ventures that the new york post laid out there it could have turned the election for real so what did twitter do remove the links to the new york post's reporting slapped warnings on them that they might be unsafe prevented users from sharing them via direct message And then in the most insane step, they locked the New York Post's account, the oldest surviving newspaper in America, and they locked the accounts of anyone who shared the links. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McKinney tweeted out the link. Bam, she got locked. Why did they do it? They go, oh, it violates our hacked materials policy. 
even though there's never been any evidence back then in October 2020 or now that anything on the laptop was ever hacked. Twitter files number seven, Michael Schellenberger came out with that. And if you read through that, again, the media is totally ignoring the biggest story, Watergate. You know, it's like Tucker, even Rogan's who I thought he was going closer to the center. He's, he's, he's sort of fired up about this. It seems like Rogan got his fastball back. But the FBI was asking Roth and Twitter about the foreign influence operations, and Twitter saying there's nothing. And the FBI is saying, you hand over the data. Normally, you have to get a warrant. And Twitter's like, let's, go, let, let, let's just go ahead and do it. So Ural Roth, that's a whole, you know, Elon Musk is like, Looks like Yoles are arguing in favor of children being able to access adult internet sites in his PhD thesis. And you read through his thesis, this guy's saying, oh, well, everyone has to admit there's people under the age of 18 on Grindr, you know, the, the notorious gay um, sex hookup app. And he's saying, hey, rather than having to absolve themselves of the legal responsibility of, of, of policing the age or trying to drive out in teenagers, we need to focus on creating safety strategies that can accommodate a wide variety of use, uh, you know, use cases and safely connect the young queer adults under 18 um, to, to Grindr. This was this guy's PhD thesis was how Grindr... Um, should absolve themselves of the legal headaches and um, just go ahead and adopt their platform for, for people under 18. And, of course, the giant hands that, uh, that are maneuvering the marionette, they pull it from the Wayback Machine. Oh, he never wrote this. It says the paper was withdrawn. <laughs> and then, but, you know, probably the most ridiculous thing, why I'm, why, why I'm really um, hesitant to get back on Twitter, we're coming up on the 50-minute Mark, folks, I'm going to wrap it up here in the next uh, 15 minutes. January 8th, 2021, after the Capitol riot, Twitter suspended Trump. Twitter suspended Trump. What did he tweet? The first one was, the 75 million great American patriots who voted for me, America first, and make America great again, will have a giant voice long into the future. They will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form. The second tweet he sent that morning of January 8th just said, I will not be attending Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20th. For that, they kicked him out. What, did, what was Twitter's justification? Well, they have a scaled enforcement team. And they reportedly viewed Trump, as Schellenberger reported, as, quote, the leader of a terrorist group responsible for violence and deaths comparable to the Christchurch shooter or Hitler. Trump is the leader of a terrorist group responsible for violence or deaths comparable to Hitler. And on that basis, in the totality of his tweets, he should be deplatformed. I mean, they were saying there's literal Nazis like Yul Roth. There's literal Nazis. I mean, they just ruined the word Nazi. So it's interesting. Twitter never took a step like that. When you had heads of state in Ethiopia and Nigeria who actually did incite violence, they got to stay on Twitter. You had people from all over the world um, saying, this is a scary situation and it's wrong. And then you saw the Twitter files, um, Schellenberger revealed it, that the suspension was actually, as one executive put it, quote, not only over those two tweets, but it was over the course of the election and, frankly, the last four and a half years. Frankly, last four and a half, you know. So, hey, he, he, we, we hate him. He's on the other side of the political aisle. You know what? It's, it's, he lost. It's January 8th. We're kicking him off. So, again, it wasn't anything he said or did. He never violated the terms directly. It was that Twitter wanted to blame President Trump for everything that happened on January 6th and remove him from the planet. Uh, from the platform, which is essentially the planet, since Twitter is arguably the most powerful used um, platform, certainly for disseminating news, the you know the gatekeeper of the digital public square, if you will. So the whole content moderation thing is a scam. That's a term for we're going to censor, silence you, and kick you off the platform. Content moderation. Same with misinformation and disinformation. It is a vague, intentionally 
um, you know, m- mysterious. It, it is tough to, to, to pin down. It's like long COVID. Everything can be long COVID. It's 200 different things. The most important rule of long COVID is everything can be long COVID. So anything could be misinformation or disinformation. To give you an idea, it, it, it's, it's tough to be the onion and Babylon Bee because the real world is so satirical. I saw Snopes fact-checked. Hey, did Pfizer sponsor um, a, you know, Sam Smith's performance at the Grammys or something like a satanic ritual? It was like, false. Um, Pfizer uh, sponsored the entire Grammys. They did not sponsor a specific song. So they say, it was like, hey, did Graham, uh, Pfizer sponsor the Grammys, um, the Sam Smith um, uh, song? Because it said, brought to you by Pfizer as they came back. Snopes refuted that. No, they didn't sponsor Sam Smith's song. They sponsored the whole thing. So it's, you say it's gain of function. I say it's directed evolution. I mean, it's just semantics. It's the same thing. Um. These people are just lying. I mean, they're straight up lying to our face about the three balloons. It's the boy who cried wolf. When something's serious, you know, if we have an Ebola or some sort of serious pandemic, how many people are going to roll up their sleeves and actually get that shot? Would you believe them at this point? So now we've got the FBI directly meddling in the last two elections to a degree that we should really think about disbanding the whole thing. I don't know if you know, but the CIA was originally just supposed to conduct covert operations on countries outside of the United States. They were never supposed to do domestic. In fact, it says in their charter, you don't mess around in domestic. They're now doing domestic. So it's out of control. What else? Uh, Clown world. I saw... It's funny, man. I, I was running errands this morning all day, and five times in a row, someone asked me, Hey, would you like to round up the extra dollar for charity, for this, for that? And the fifth one, they're like, would you like to round up a dollar for, you know, youth with diabetes? I'm like, (laughs) give me their address. I'm sending them a pallet of Mountain Dew. I'm sending those fat little brats a pallet of Mountain Dew. Like, I do my charity work or, you know, donations, um, philanthropy stuff on my own time. This is a form of philanthropy too. I'm working for free. So for the good of the country. So I no, I don't want to be shamed and silenced. It's that and tipping. Like I went into the, it, at the most random retail places where they just rang you up and they turn the screen around. How much would you like to tip? And the default is like 25%. So if you want to put in your custom amount, whatever, and then you got to flip it, flip it around and you're face to face like, oh, you cheapskate asshole. Times are that tough, huh? You can't even spare a dollar or, oh, thank you. You're so nice. The whole point is like tipping is already a weird practice if you if you ask anyone from another country and they're making it super awkward to the point where I'm just not going to do it if they flip the screen around. If it's a restaurant. And they gave good service or whatever, but I'm never uh, rounding up for charity. I, I mean, seriously, I'm feeling like I don't need to patronize some places that ask me. So speaking of not patronizing places, we're going to wrap it up here in 10 minutes. You're tuned into 45, episode 45, the Bob Gibson episode. I was going to have some Bob Gibson uh, data, but it feels a little bread and circus-y. Um, so Nicole Hannah-Jones author of the 1619 Project, one of the dumbest people on the planet. She's complaining that drugstores locking up merchandise is demeaning, even though shoplifting is up in New York like 300%. She tweeted, if you're going to lock everything up in the drugstore, an already demeaning shopping experience at least have enough workers to open up the cases for all the customers who just need a razor. She goes, it can't be a financial winner. I spend a lot less because I'm not waiting every time I need to grab something from a different aisle or a different shelf in the same aisle. You can't read labels. I've literally walked away. It's just a terrible shopping experience. And meanwhile, in New York, um, 63,000 shoplifting complaints, 45% jump from 2021, but a 275% jump 
from pre-George Floyd, pre-COVID. So um, Nicole Hannah-Jones was one of the biggest proponents of defunding the police. I also remember her saying she was making a big deal because um, black hairstyle products were behind a... Uh, like a razor thing. You had to ring somebody to get it. She's like, oh, this is so racist. This is so racist. How come black people's hair stuff is is behind the thing? Well, Walmart didn't do it just to be racist. There's some sort of analytics or logistics involved. So they go, okay, well, we can't just leave this not under lock and key. So then um, Walmart, CVS, Walgreens goes, all right, we're going to just lock up all the hair products. That way it won't be racist because we can't leave them out. So then... These jabronis keep pushing to fund the police, to fund the police. Um, By the way, there's also a labor shortage um, that they've been sort of egging on as well. The Marxists, hey, get free money, stay at home, you don't have to work, blah, 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 blah. So now she's pissed that you go into the store and everything's behind lock and key. So you voted for this. You encouraged this. There is no police to make the arrests. There's Soros-backed DAs in every city who aren't pressing charges for things like that. You can commit murder and get out in a few hours. So who she's gonna ye- who's she going to yell out? Let me guess. She's going to blame racist Walgreens and CVS when they just close shop and leave. Because between the security people and putting everything on there, and the thing is, if everything's locked, and I have friends in cities like Philly or whatever, I understand it's really, really bad. Seattle, Portland, San Francisco. Like, you're going to have to have somebody walk around the store and take a key and get every single thing out. Are you going to go shop at that store? I mean, if they have curbside pickup, maybe you pull up, but you're going to order from Amazon. You're not going to deal with a quick, I can be in and out of there, five minutes, I just need soap, tissue paper, you know, toilet paper, something like that, just essentials you ran out of. You're not going to do it. So she's calling it demeaning, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, you've pushed the policy and now you're mad at the ramifications that come next. Like, these companies just aren't in the business, you know, they're not government-owned Entities that are just there as military commissaries where you can go in and get everything. They're private businesses. If they're losing money and it's too much of a headache, they're going to say, screw you. I'm going to Lincoln, Nebraska or somewhere where if you shoplift, they call the cops and they arrest them. So we're going to try and get Alex on here next week. We're going to try and get Blue Canaries on here next week. I said I wasn't going to do any Austin stuff, but I've been talking with... A few folks in town, and Austin news sucks so bad, and you just really saw it with the winter storm, that I think we're just going to have to relaunch AustinTexasTimes.com, the domain that I had when I broke the Urban Alchemy story, some longtime readers will remember back in July. We're going to relaunch that. I'm saying by June 1st, we will be the number one most visited, talked about, respected, and buzzed about news outlet in the entire Austin news media ecosystem. So that's about it. Teddy Roosevelt, episode 45, Bob Gibson episode. And uh, I was going to have some Bob Gibson stuff, but I'm just running out of time. We just passed the hour, and I got to make sure I have two minutes for Alex's awesome diatribe at the Austin City Council meeting this week. And, of course, I have to have... Some intro and outro music. I've got to make some new funky fresh beats. Teddy's been working behind the scenes. I might release my album before South by Southwest. Maybe do some rogue, renegade, Willie Nelson inspired shows on the back of a flatbed truck. Maybe I'll roll around on Alex Stringer's pedicab. And 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 Teddy will do his uh forty-five minute set. As he's driving around 6th Street. I have to get some big-ass speakers. So, yeah, you can find this podcast and all the links. TeddyBroosevelt.substack.com. Podcast, again, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts. Um, anyone who listened to the friend, my friend Charlotte, we were going to do part two with a canned story. I just reached out to Tony Prieto, who I had mentioned in the in the story, and I'm seeing if I can get Tony on the podcast. Oh, I'll be the Brian Redband. He'll be Rogan because he is the funniest person maybe I've met 
ever in the wild. Um, between me and him, we might be able to just team up and, and, and take over Rogan's spot. So uh, if not, we're definitely going to have Charlotte back on. Charlotte, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know working in the hotel industry and in Phoenix, Super Bowl week, Phoenix Open, crazy week for her, but she's always wanted to come on the show. Um, go Birds, episode 45, dedicated to my boy Billy D in Philly. Let's go, Eagles. I'm predicting uh, 41 to 28, Birds. Five, four, three, two, one. Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You jabroni! You jabroni! Good morning, Mayor and Council. I'm speaking in support of items 39 and 81 because there needs to be accountability for what happened. You and I both know this. My mother told me to dress for the job that you want to have. And that is why I'm here today, because I would like to be the CEO of Austin Energy. We need leaders who are aligned with our priorities. And right now, our number one priority is fighting climate change. We need to get to net zero by by 2030. And honestly, if we are ever going to achieve these goals, you shouldn't even be using power at all. Okay? Listen, just last month, I destroyed the gas stove that I owned in a fire that I started because I am firmly committed to saving the planet, just like you. And I will show that same commitment as the CEO of Austin Energy. I have pronouns in my Twitter bio. I also have Ukrainian flags in my Twitter bio. And due to my extensive qualifications and the fact that my priorities align so much with the city of Austin, as well as what I thought were past um, administrations in Austin Energy, I would like a salary between $350,000 to $500,000 a year so that I could support my lifestyle, fund my cocaine habit, and care for my wife who has stage 5 testicular cancer. I also took a 23andMe test and found out that I am 3% black, so not hiring me would be a literal act of violence. Anyway, if I could get a recommendation to be the CEO of Austin Energy, I would really appreciate it. Obviously, I'm the most qualified person for the job here in this room. Um, Thank you very much, Mayor and Council. Yeah.